Right now, please welcome our guest. He hails from New Brighton Township and later Galvindale near Port Elizabeth. But his first trip overseas was to firstly Argentina and then Europe as a member of the Springbok squad in 2000 under coach Harry Filyun. This and many other stories of this great South African are in his book titled Being a Black Springbok. Like how he changed the game when it came to how Springboks were initiated into the squad. And he simply told them that he had already had his rite of passage done as an initiated tosser man. And there shall be no need for what they called kontiki. The practice of drinking crazy concoctions and being slapped and have things thrown at you by older members of the Springboks. <laughs> Hashtag things white guys do. <laughs> He's a businessman and one of uh, the fiery members of the Springboks rugby analysts called Room Dividers here on Metro FM Sport. Please make some noise for Tando Manana. Yeah. Tando! Uh, Manbuli is fresh and uh, also a protocol observed. Good morning, everyone. Brother man, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. What's your relationship with the rugby and how has it defined your very life and existence today? Well, I mean, I think uh, you, you've just summed it up all. Uh, first and foremost, I think rugby lives within me. I'm a firm believer that people are driven by contribution. Yes. And my contribution, the little that I can leave behind and also just leave a small legacy, I see it as, uh, you know, assisting the many aspiring young black boys that aspire to play the game but also continue to face the difficulties within the sport. Mm. You, you know, um, you know, it's... it's not easy for a black person in this country to play the game because somewhere along the line you'll you'll have the tech following you uh, and they'll call you quotas yes. and how many times then must must be made to feel like a token in our own country in our mm. own sport that we we fell in love because i fell in love with the game i mean there's no doubt about it you know you put anything in front of me well whilst i was playing the sport i wouldn't care to even touch it or even watch it mm. i only wanted to go to a rugby game i only wanted to watch rugby videos of former great games uh, that had been played so that i can continue uh, to aspire and reach the levels that uh, you know i wanted to reach mm. uh, they were not guaranteed but i was I wanted to reach them. And, uh, you know, for some other reason, uh, you know, I was always seen uh, as a thorn, as someone who's talkative, as a tyrant. As a troublemaker. Uh, <laughs> you know, they, that, that's what they brand you. But I know what I brand myself. Uh, I have no excuse, uh, you know, um, uh, for living up uh, to my full potential. I've got to, uh, you know, put it out there so that people are aware of the type of character that I am. Mm. I think that's, that's what is lacking in, in our societies. People are afraid, you know, to come out and show their true full potential and, and character who they are so that we, we get to learn and we get to understand and then finally embrace the type of person that you are. It's like a relationship, uh, DJ Fresh. Mm. Uh, you know, a sport, any sport, you know, you've got to embrace it. If you don't embrace it, then you're faking it. Sure. Why was it important for you to write the book, Being a Black Springbok? Because a lot of people almost saw this as a tell-all from the perspective of a black guy in rugby? Look, uh, my limitation in this world does not exist. Uh, I've got to make sure that even if I wrote it after a couple of years, some would say, but why did you have to wait that long? I said, yes. look, you know, it's not easy to write, to, 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 to come up with a decision that you want to write. I think you can speak to any sports person who may be just retired or, you know, into that. And, and let you in into their life. But, mm. you know, having having read so many books, uh, at one stage I was just motivated at the fact that uh, I was not seeing 
black stories being told. I mean, you've got a story to tell, but I mean, our stories are not out there. And, mm. uh, and, and literature is something that, yes, in South Africa, is not something spoken about. People know that many people don't read in this country. Sure. And, uh, and, 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 and for me, it was just to sit down, look for a guy to write my book. But obviously, I wanted a black person to write my book because mm. what it would mean is it has to go the same journey that I went to. I don't want to sit at a coffee, ta- at a coffee table uh, somewhere in Johannesburg or in Port Elizabeth in town and start writing or Cape Town and start writing. And those are the offers that I had from other uh, writers that had written uh, the politically incorrect uh, Gavin Rich, uh, where I spoke. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, one of the profound things that, you know, they would say is they always want to be controversial. Now, if I have a story and you say to me you want the controversial and which is when you refuse to be initiated, that should make up my story. That's not my story. Yes, you're bigger than that. It's part of a life story. So Mm. I wanted someone to write a life story, and I found a young man who'd never written a book, but I'd followed him through and through while he was writing at Times Media, wrote well, he was young, and I mean, there was no intimidation, but it was just for me to develop a friendship, which we first did, before we could sit down and I could really, uh, you know, tell it as it is, that's a life story. Because this is a person that I've formed a friendship from the first go. Mm. And we've developed and he's, know, he's, he's knowing my likes, he knows my dislikes, he knows when I'm happy, he knows when I'm not happy. And also vice versa as well. So once you have that type of relationship with an author and you start writing down and you start spending hours, he, I mean, he starts missing his his lifestyle as well because of my story. Mm. He comes down to PE, he sits, we walk together, I take him to Galvindale in the middle of the night and I tell him exactly what he used to what he used to do in this area. This was a colored area where I stayed with a colored family for four years, not paying a, a cent to stay in their family, but becoming part of their family and getting a key into mm. their house. Sure. So those are the things that I wanted to, to portray so that someone, when he writes and reads a chapter called Uncle Mel and 71 Martin Street, he gets the real thing that I went through. When you sure. talk of an absent father, when you talk of New Brighton, I give you the exact person that understands the lingo. Because when you speak of, like the introduction, you've got Umoluko. Now, I said, I want someone who write that. We can translate it into English, but not English and translate it into cross. It doesn't work like that. Sure. You start with my language, and then you translate it into someone who wants to understand, or any other person who doesn't understand the language. But let's put and make it authentic as possible. And Smool did that, and we did that. And we, we, we actually we, we had to write it three, three months, uh, I mean, for three chapters, a manuscript for, for in fact, Penn Macmillan. And Penn mm. Macmillan came back to us unexpectedly, by the way, and they wanted to see us, and we were excited because we hadn't even put on other penguins, and we hadn't even gone to other publishers. Mm. So when they said, look, guys, we think you've got a story, can you write us an introduction? And I said to Shibosu, after this meeting, we go back into our heads and we write this introduction. We don't even sleep. We just, because of the <laughs> excitement, that like, you have an opportunity to get yes. a publisher. You know, on our first go, on our people have written and so many times their manuscript have never gotten any responses. It goes to the shredder. But here was our opportunity. They wanted an introduction to my story and mm-hmm. wrote an introduction and they were blown away when we wrote the, the, inter- the introduction. 18 minutes after six, his name is Tando Manana, former Springbok. He's also a published author. He's also a dancer. We're about to find out about Tando and dancing. Also, what on earth is he packing? Next. Makiza featuring MT. This is Hammer on Metro FM. 24 minutes after six, we're talking, what are you packing? Hanging out with author, soon-to-be dancer, former Springbok, Tandoma Nana. The room divider is in the building. Tando, welcome back. 
Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks, DJ Fresh. Tando, you're a big guy. What's what's Tando packing? What's what's for breakfast? Do you still watch what you eat? Are you still health conscious? Yeah, look, I try to. Uh, I always have my oats. Uh, I think I'm an old school type of person. I I've tried all the cereals, but uh, oats comes uh, comes back as my number one uh, yes. breakfast um, meal. But also it goes with um, bread. Uh, on top of it, have a slice of cheese, and then have my egg sunny sunny side up, and and that would be my breakfast, in, in, and just maybe a fruit to sure. go with it. That, those those are something I would have in the morning. As a former athlete, obviously when you stop the intense training, your body starts showing does that worry you no it doesn't worry me uh, it's just a matter of uh, maintaining uh, obviously you cannot be as lean as you were when you were in your top uh, uh, you know plight of, of, of professionalism in any sport but yes. after that i think uh, you, you don't have to be a lazy guy uh, or a lazy lady to go with it and then you start having uh, love hangs yes and and and, 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 and sort of your data calls on the side so you sure. to look after your body <laughs> Now, in your book, Being a Black Springbok, there's a funny moment. You talk about the first time you had buffalo wings in Johannesburg. Every, everyone, everyone else <laughs> that is, was at the Mill Park. That was at the Mill Park Hotel, yes. Yes, everyone else is ordering burgers, and you thought your hunger would only be satisfied by a big meal. You saw buffalo yes. wings. You're like, a buffalo is big, Moose. <laughs> How disappointed were you to find out that all you were having were chicken wings? <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 to make it even worse is my order came uh, came last when everyone was enjoying their ribs, yes. their burgers, cheeseburgers, and everything. And I thought I'd order the right thing because it's taking too long. Uh, the waiter is not coming through, <laughs> and the guys already having their meal. And little did I know, fresh, that as he came towards me, uh, it was in a sort of um, a smallish uh, whatever you'll call it, but with leaves hanging over. So I was quite excited that. This is a meal that has been fully dressed up uh, yes. for me to, to indulge in. It was my first time uh, having dinner at a hotel. We were at the SA under 21 class, so we stayed at the hotel for the whole week. And our first time that we were going to have something to eat at Mike's Kitchen. So yes. he came and once he put it in front of me, I was, I was the most disappointed. In fact, I was so hungry in the early hours of the morning because it was six <laughs> winglets. And, and, and I'd never ordered it again. I don't want it. Yes, it's a trap. Buffalo wings have nothing to do with a buffalo. No, now, it's got nothing to do. I mean, I was, I was caught. I was shocked. Yes. I was shocked if one can use that word. Now, you're part of the new essay version of Dancing with the Stars. Tell us about the journey. Yeah. How's training going? And uh, what are you finding the most difficult as a dancer? I think for me, I arrived in Johannesburg on Sunday, yes. and uh, we got in, and we sat in not knowing that Monday would be one of the most toughest times uh, when it comes to preparing for dance moves and uh, sort of your, your your way that you have to be stretching and everything. So it, it started off, uh, I have to say, a big uphill, yes. uh, something new to me, but I give utmost, utmost respect to any dancer. I don't care who you are, someone who goes into the studio, someone who's going to be performing, so much work goes into it. And mm. I think Monday, Tuesday, uh, you know, the blisters uh, on, on, on most of the dancers were starting to show. Sure. But was most importantly, it's just the technique and uh, the strength. I mean, without picking up weights, you pick up weights, uh, I mean, DJ Fresh. But what's important is I was, my body was sore without picking up anything, without doing any push-ups yes. or lunges and whatever. It was just sore. But, I mean, obviously, at the end of the week now, I'm feeling much better. You know, you climatize as, as someone who's been there and who knows training quite well. But uh, for me, I utmost respect for any dancers. I'm looking forward to it. I think um, we're all going for it. We're all enjoying it now.
and we're already seeing the fruits because we already uh, sort of finished our first dance that will do when the show begins on the 4th of February. So I'm starting the jive today, so it's also going to be another hectic one. I'm weighing 112, so it's going to be quite tough for me to be trying to move around. But I'm losing weight. Yes. And I was told that I would lose weight. So I'm, I'm sure when it starts, I'll be in, in, in fine peak condition at about 104 kilograms. So I'm, I've still got to lose a couple of kilos. You have to lose. You have to be light on your feet. Yes. Uh, but most importantly, I'm enjoying it. And uh, you have to enjoy it. I mean, I'm making the most of it. And it's an, it's an, it's an opportunity that people should try. Mm. Like bungee jumping. You do it once. You don't want to do it again. Do you think you have what it takes to win Dancing with the Stars? Oh, certainly. I mean, uh, we have quite a competitive uh, 11 other contestants that I think they're not there to, to want to be out in the first uh, exit when you, when you have the elimination round. So yes. uh, it's quite simple. It's the partner, and I've got a very good partner, Michelle Openshaw. Uh, you know, she does, she's very patient, but most importantly, we've created a bond. And that's quite important, you know. Mm. I tell her, look, give me some time, I'll get it right, or we'll work more hours for me to have it right before we can go. So she's sure. quite patient, that's what you need. And for me, I think I can go all the way with the support of, obviously, people when we start phoning, and they can phone and vote for me to stay onto the show. But most importantly, they have to vote for me if I'm doing the right thing. I don't want people to vote just for the sake of voting. If I'm exactly. doing well, I want to progress well to the next stage. Tando, where can people find you online and maybe catch up with whatever else you're up to? Look, I'm on the, all the social media on Twitter. I'm at Tando Manana without the H. Uh, Instagram at T Manana One. Yes. And uh, Facebook, um, I'm Tando Manana. Uh, you know, that's, that, those are the ones that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm currently using. But mostly on Twitter, uh, you know, I, I interact and with, with most of the, the, the followers and also the friends and colleagues and those friends I've been seeing in life. Tando Manana, thank you very much for hanging out with you. We'll see you on Dancing with the Stars. Hopefully you won't try, you will deliver. Nudge, nudge. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. Thank you very much, guys, for having me on your show. It's a great show. I listen to it up until 8 o'clock. I already know the times. And uh, thanks to your producer who just made it a bit easier by phoning me on time and making sure that I'm awake to be on your show. Great stuff. The book is out, Being a Black Springbok. Ladies and gentlemen, Tando, boy can he talk, Manana.